Well, amen. Wouldn't you like to see today as the people of God meet in churches across this land that the Lord would send a great awakening, that we really would be a country that is under God. I was at a conference in Washington, D.C. One of our speakers was Rabbi Lapine. And as I listened to him, I found it to be very interesting. He spoke about the founding of nations, the building up of kingdoms, and so forth. And as he did, he drew a contrast between the kingdom of Nimrod and the nation of Abraham. Now, when Nimrod built his kingdom, he did so on man. The foundation on which he built was man. The foundation on which Abraham built was God. And there was a tremendous difference in the result of those two men and the kingdoms that they built. And I think it's worthy for us today that we look at the results and we look at the contrast that is drawn between these two men. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 10. We will look in several chapters here, but I want to begin in Genesis chapter 10, verse number 8, as we look at Nimrod. Now Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Assad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. So as you look at Nimrod and the kingdom that he built, what I want you to understand is the foundation on which he built his kingdom was man or humanism. Now the word Nimrod means rebel or we will rebel. Matthew Henry wrote, he was a mighty hunter. That is, he was a violent invader of his neighbor's rights and properties and a persecutor of innocent men, carrying all before him and endeavoring to make all his own by force and violence. So when the Bible then says that he was a mighty hunter, it is not speaking about the hunting of game but it is speaking about the hunting of people. Now, as I look at Nimrod, and as you consider him today, one of the things that stands out to me first about him that I find to be fascinating first is his disregard for his heritage. You may not be aware, but his grandfather was Noah. And the Bible describes Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Now, that was his heritage. That was his grandfather. That was his heritage. And the Bible says that Noah, the grandfather, was a righteous man. Matthew Henry wrote, he was sanctified and had right principles and dispositions implanted in him. That was the grandfather of Nimrod. The scripture says that he was blameless, which means that Noah was a man of integrity. So he was a man then who was righteous. He was a man of integrity. And the scripture says that he walked with God. Henry said it was his constant care to conform himself to the will of God. So do you understand the heritage of Nimrod? His grandfather was Noah. 
The Bible says that he was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God, and yet Nimrod disregarded the heritage that had been handed down to him. When I look at our own country today, I see there is a move and there are so many and it's disturbing to me and I'm sure it is to you as well because there are so many who want to disregard the heritage that has been passed on to us as a people, as a nation. There are those who want to remove our motto, in God we trust, because we want to have nothing to do with the acknowledgement of God. There are those who believe the Ten Commandments should be removed from any public arena because that is a recognition of God. The First Amendment that gives us our religious liberty has come under attack. I believe there are, what, 42, 43 suits that have been filed by the Catholic Church because of this attack on the First Amendment. The religious freedom we have is found there. The President of the United States has come out in support of same-sex marriage, which is a removal from the values that have been handed down to us through the years. Now, we know something is wrong. Whenever we look at America today, and and Steve showed the video a while ago, we, we read what our early forefathers said about trusting in the Lord, looking to the Lord, depending on the Lord, the inspiration of God, all those things. And yet when we begin to look today, we know that there is widespread disregard for our heritage. In fact, there was an interesting article written by Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal entitled America's Crises of Character. And what she's doing in that article is to say there is a feeling in America today that something is wrong, that we are changing in America. She said this week Gallup had a poll showing only 24% of Americans feel we're on the right track as a nation. I've long thought that public dissatisfaction is about more than the economy, that it's also about our culture or rather the flat, brute, highly sexualized thing we call our culture. I think more and more people are worried about the American character. And then she lists in this column several issues. A tourist being beaten in Baltimore, young people surrounded him and laughed. The General Services Administration scandal the Secret Service scandal, and so forth. And then she concludes, something seems to be going terribly wrong. Well, that's the feeling we have. Whenever we look at our country and we have some understanding of our heritage, and then we see what is happening in our land today, we feel that there is something wrong that has happened in our country. And it is because, in part, we have disregarded our heritage. Our foundation. See, that's what Nimrod did. He was given a godly heritage from his grandfather, but he disregarded it. We have been given a godly heritage as a people, but we've disregarded it. Something else about Nimrod is that he disobeyed the principles given by God. 
His focus was not on God. His focus was on himself. He said, we will make a name for ourselves. Not about God. It was about him. It was about what he wanted to do. It is believed by some that he disbelieved the promises of God. If you look back at chapter 9 in Genesis, verse number 11, God said, And I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. So after the Lord then destroyed the earth with the flood, he said, I will never do that again. I will never send a flood to destroy the earth again. And as a sign of the covenant that God made, he put a rainbow in the sky. Do you realize that's what the rainbow is? When you see the rainbow in its brilliance and you see the colors, you say, oh, look, there's a rainbow. Do you also... Are you also aware that that is a sign of the covenant made, that God made with man? He said, I'm going to put this in the sky. And when you see it, it is a reminder to you of my covenant with you that I will never again destroy the earth with a flood. But there are some Bible scholars who believe that Nimrod did not believe that. In fact, they said it could be that Nimrod was the first person to ask the question, how could a good, loving God allow this to happen. And they further speculated that it could be he built the tower that he was building in order to escape the next flood when it came. I don't know, that's all speculation. But there are those who believe that he did not believe the promises that God had made, the covenant that God had given. Well, in verse number 8 of our text, it says, Now, Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. The word mighty one literally means warrior, champion, ruler, and tyrant. So he established his kingdom. You see that in verse number 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Assad and Cal in the land of Shinar. And you know what Shinar is? It is Iran, Iraq, and Jordan. That is Shinar and Babel. Babel meant to the Babylonians the gates of God. To the Hebrews, it meant a place of confusion. So whenever we look at him, he established his kingdom, which today is Iraq, Iran, and Jordan. His kingdom was extended in verse number 11. From that land, he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Ur, and Calah. So his kingdom was extended beyond that to other lands and his philosophy was also extended with the expansion. In fact, all of the cities that are mentioned here became centers of paganism. Now, we see something about his philosophy or his religion, I think, in chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. This is what the rabbi was talking about. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, that represents his religion or his philosophy. 
It is a little strange, it seems, that he says as he is establishing his kingdom, let us make bricks. That's a little strange, but it is somewhat revealing. Why? Well, because bricks are made by man, while stones are made by God. And I said to you that the foundation on which he built his kingdom was man. It was humanism. So he said, we're not going to build the kingdom on stones made by God. We are going to build the kingdom on bricks made by man. Another thing about bricks is that they are all the same. They are uniform. And that is one of the characteristics of the secularist. They want everyone to be the same. Not appreciating or recognizing the fact that God has made us different. They want everyone to be the same. In fact, I believe that this is one of the first expressions of utopianism. The utopian believes that everyone is to be the same. That uh, we are all to be equal and everything is to be fair. And you hear those words. Those are utopian words that come from Plato and Hobbes and so forth. They are utopian words that, that everything is to be fair. Now, folks, I don't know how you raised your children or how you young people came up, but when my kids used to say, well, that's not fair. My response to them is, whoa, who told you life was fair? Wasn't your daddy? Life is not fair. Never has been fair. There are those who say, well, everything is supposed to be equal. And all I want is for things to be equal. I want equal opportunity and so forth. Now, listen, that's very naive. It has never been equal. Life has never been equal. Do you think you have the same opportunity being born into your family that you would have if you were born into the family of a billionaire? Life has never been... But see, that is the utopian idea. That, that was the utopian idea, and it is expressed in fascism, communism, socialism, and we hear it being expressed today. Everything is to be the same. So he said, we're going to build a city in chapter 11, verse 4. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote, it was done in disobedience to that command, replenish the earth. What he is saying is this, that Nimrod was committed to congregation rather than population. The Lord said we were to populate the earth. But his commitment was to congregate, not populate. He goes on there in verse number 4 and says, And let us make for ourselves a name. Let us make a name. That is an indication of a people who are built upon the foundation of man rather than upon the foundation of God. You see, when you're built on God, we glorify his name. When we're built on man, we're making a name for ourselves. That was Nimrod. Let us make a name for ourselves. Now, that is his philosophy. That is his religion, and it was sinful. It was secular. It was sinful. Now, that's a little bit strange for us, too, that you would say that a religion or a philosophy is sinful because we hear all the time that all religions are good, that all relig as long as someone has faith, that's a good thing. I mean, we, we're going to the same place. We're just traveling different paths to get there. And so all religions are good as long as a person is sincere about their belief. Folks, that simply is not true. 
For instance, God does not look at it that way that all religions are the same and that all religions are good. For instance, Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God and Cain's sacrifice was rejected by God because one was right and one was wrong. When we build on the foundation of man, it eventually is going to fail because it is contrary to the plan of God. Now, that is his plan, that is his religion and so forth we see of Nimrod. He is building a kingdom upon the foundation of man. Now then the Lord is involved here. The Lord saw chapter 11 verse number 5 and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. There's an irony there I think. Nimrod was going to build a tower that reached to heaven but God had to come down to inspect it. So it didn't quite make it to heaven. So the Lord came down, he saw it, and the Lord spoke in chapter 11, verse number 6. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they uh, purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there. Confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. The Bible says that the Lord spoke. They said, We will be one people. That is... We want a nation that is without God. We are one people, all the same. Everybody's the same. The same language. They speak that we're one people. We speak the same language. Now, as I was thinking about that, I thought, now, isn't that political correctness? Whenever there is an issue that comes up, there is a position that is accepted by society, and you dare not express some view that is contrary to that that is politically correct. We're supposed to speak the same language. We are one people speaking the same language, and God says if they continue, then there will be nothing impossible to them, so the Lord scattered them. In chapter 11, verse number 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. The word scattered literally means to dash into pieces. Whatever is built apart from God is eventually going to be in pieces. A good example of that has to be the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was built upon an, an atheistic foundation. That was the Soviet Union that no longer exists. It was dashed into pieces. A nation built by man will come to nothing because it's contrary to the will of God. But then there is a nation built by God. We see God's command to Abraham in chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So Abraham now is to separate himself from a godless environment. The Lord said, I want you to leave where you are, separate yourself from this godless environment. Matthew Henry wrote, His country had become idolatrous. His kindred and his father's house were a constant temptation to him. And he could not continue with them, with them without danger of being infected by them. Therefore, get thee out. So whenever we look at Abraham now and his establishment of a nation built on the foundation of God, God said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave the godless environment where you are. I want you to remove yourself from the godless environment. Well, when the pilgrims came to this land, what did they do? They left the environment where they were to come to this land where they could worship God in spirit and in truth 
in freedom. And we see God's plan in chapter 12, verse number 2. And I will make you a great nation. That was God's promise to Abraham. I believe that is God's promise. You see, Nimrod wanted to build a great city and a tower to heaven. But here's what God says, folks, and I think this is so important to us. God says, if you build on me, if you build on my word, I'll make you a great nation. Nimrod wanted to build a great nation. God says, if you build on me, I will make you a great nation. He goes on in verse number 2, and I'll bless you. A nation that is built on God is blessed by God. I wish we would understand that. Folks, whenever we go away from God, we forfeit the blessings of God. When we remove ourselves from the word of God, we forfeit the blessings of God. But when we build on the foundation of God, when God is the foundation on which we build, then God says, I will bless you. That's what he said to Abraham. I will bless you. He goes on in verse number 2 and make your name great. What was it Nimrod wanted? We'll make a name for ourselves. We'll be recognized as someone great. What did God say? If you will build on me, if you build on this foundation, he said, I'll make your name great. You want a great name? Then we build on the foundation of God. He goes on in verse number 2, and so you shall be a blessing. God said, if you build... Upon me, then you will be blessed, but you will also be a blessing. Now then, Nimrod, when he built his nation on man, on the foundation of humanism and secularism apart from God, Shinar did not become a blessing. Iraq, Iran, Jordan. They have not been a blessing to the world, but instead it is largely places of terrorism. Not a blessing. What about America? Regardless as to where we are today, we began our journey on the foundation of God. And we have not only been blessed of God, we have also been a blessing to the world. We were involved in World War II to save the world from Nazi Germany. We have been involved in trying to bring peace to other places in the world. And when there is some tragedy that occurs, Americans are the most generous people in the world. We have been a blessing. We have been a blessing to the world. Why? Because we tried to build on God. Now, that was the, that was the plan of God. That's what he said to Abraham. Abraham, if you build on me, he says, then you will be blessed. I'll make a great name of you. You will be a blessing. And Abraham was obedient in chapter 12, verse number 4. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was obedient to the command of God. And in the past, I think that America largely has been obedient to the word of God. A nation built by God. Nimrod over here built on the foundation of man. Abraham over here built on the foundation of God. But today we're in a struggle about the future of our country. What are we going to be? Will we continue to be what we have been in the past? Will we continue to build our country on the foundation of God? Or are we going to erode the foundation and choose something else? Now, we know our heritage because it's reflected in our founding documents. We know how this country, even though it is, uh, it is disregarded today and denied today, we know how this country was founded. 
The early settlers who sailed on the Mayflower in 1620 signed the Mayflower Compact that they had come for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That was those who came on the Mayflower. The first public building built in this land was a church. And the first public exercise of our people was the worship of God. In 1643, more settlers arrived. They formed the New England Confederation and they wrote the first constitution in the New World. It began, whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel and purity and peace. That is our heritage as a people, as a land. That is our heritage. And we know our heritage, but the question that is in my mind and the question that troubles us today is what about our future? Will we be a godly nation for our children, for our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren? Will we leave them a godly nation? I'm not sure. Today, America leads the Western world in abortions per capita, alcoholism, drug addiction, and pornography. Doesn't sound much like a nation committed to the purity of the Gospels. And I guess it is most disturbing whenever you see Christian people who acquiesce and go along and there's not much difference. George Barna research group reported that there are fewer than 10% of Americans possess a biblical worldview. 82% are unsure to which God they are praying. They think all gods are equal. 60% do not believe in the accuracy of the Bible. And today in this country largely If you say that you believe in heterosexual marriage, you're pro-life, and you believe that when you're making decisions, you ought to seek God and His wisdom, then you're said to be out of the mainstream. You're some kind of a kook. We're at a crossroads. That's the reason I've really been praying, Lord, on this day, as Christians across America are going together, all send your spirit and send revival. Send a great awakening. Will we be a nation that is built by man on the foundation of man? Well, if so, we should heed the warning of Thomas Jefferson who said, Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Or will we be a nation that is built on the foundation of God? If so, then we have to separate from sin. Folks, we just can't be that comfortable with sin. And we've gotten awfully comfortable with it. If we're going to be a nation that is built on the foundation of God, then we're going to have to separate ourselves from sin. Embrace the Word of God and worship God. In AD 14, upon hearing that Rome had been sacked, Augustine said, all earthly cities are vulnerable. Men build them, 
and then destroy them. At the same time, there is a city of God that men did not build and cannot destroy, which is everlasting. The only foundation that is everlasting on which we can build is the foundation of God. So what will you do? How will you order your family? How will you order your life as an individual? Will you build on the shaky foundation of humanism or will you build on the solid foundation of God and his word? What will you do? Our Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will take your word and apply it to our hearts. And Lord, that we might understand we are at the precipice and the future of our land, the future of our families is at stake. And I pray, Father, that you might move in our midst today in this church and churches across the land, that there might be a great awakening in churches and families and in the lives of individuals, that we might understand that we have played far too long and lost far too much. May we repent and return to you. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. In a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to trust him today as Savior. If you're looking for a church home, you know where we stand. Our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you if you'd like to join with us. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing. You come, I'll greet you. Mr. Steve, tell us about uh, this afternoon and this evening. We have uh, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock and 7.30. We'll be ready to go. Have a great time. There are no tickets left, so don't even come down and ask. There are no tickets. No tickets. I'll show you mine. No tickets. How much? <laughs> be praying for it that the uh, Lord will bless it. It's, uh, of course, uh, how many of you have never been here for the Celebration of Liberty? You have not been here. That's a few 
I hope. Do you have tickets? No, good, because you are going to be blessed tonight. So it's it is a time when we remember our heritage and we celebrate our freedoms as a people. And so it is a great thing. And the choir and Steve and the orchestra and all of them have been working so hard. So uh, I look forward to this evening, four o'clock and seven thirty. Uh, don't forget to pray for our builders for Christ as they lead, that it will be uh, a time that is led of the Lord. College students, we have uh, lunch for you. There's free lunch over in the Family Life Center. And uh, let me encourage you to be a part of that. If you have any prayer needs, these deacons with red badges on, I'd be happy to pray for any need that you have. Let's stand together, and we'll go home and eat real quickly and get right back down here so we can have a time. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. May we as a people honor you. May we lift up the name of Jesus in whose name we pray.